Thank you very much, Elizabeth. That was really beautiful, lovely. God bless you. We'll hand over to the Reverend Higginson. Well, thank you so much, uh, Reverend McLaughlin, for uh, your words of welcome once again. And it's so good to see you tonight in God's house for the Monday night of the Gospel Mission. We pray that the Lord will really speak into hearts and lives. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, and your family for ministering in song this evening. About 23 or 4 years ago, I worked with Elizabeth's dad in a factory in Lisburn. And it was lovely to have another believer. And we used to meet for prayer on a Monday afternoon, a Wednesday afternoon, and a Friday afternoon round about lunchtime. So uh, it was a really ecumenical prayer meeting, you know. There was myself, Free Presbyterian. There was a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a Church of Ireland, Brethren, and Independent Methodist. And you can't get any more ecumenical than that. It was a wonderful time all of those years ago. And we really have fond memories of Elizabeth's father. And it's lovely to renew fellowship with the family tonight. Genesis chapter 13 is our Bible reading this evening. The book of Genesis chapter 13. It's lovely whenever the Lord confirms in your heart the message that he would have you to preach. And last night we were in Luke's Gospel chapter 14. And the Reverend McLaughlin, in his opening prayer, quoted the very text that we were looking at last night. Come, for all things are now ready. And then in his opening prayer tonight, he made mention of Lot. And that's who we're thinking about this evening. And just after the opening prayer, I asked God's servant, did you know what I'm speaking on tonight? And he said, no. And I just thought that's remarkable, mentioning Lot in his opening prayer, because that's what we're at tonight, Lot. Genesis chapter 13. Let's read from verse number 1, please. <clears throat> Genesis 13, verse number 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together, and there was a strife. Between the herd men of Abram's cattle and the herd men of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herd men and thy herd men, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, and I will go to the right, or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him, all the plain of Jordan, Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. 
But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And we'll just end at verse 13. And we know God will bless the reading of his word. Let's unite our hearts together. Let's pray earnestly just for a few moments and ask God for his help and blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee once again for the opportunity of meeting together in this meeting house, singing the praise of our God, listening to the ministry and song. We thank Thee for the blessing of that. We thank Thee for the reading of Thy Word. And now, Lord, we pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. O God, we pray that the Spirit of God will move in hearts and in lives tonight in this place. And Lord, for others that are listening in online, and maybe still for others who will listen at a later time, may thy word have free course and be glorified. And Lord God, I pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Fill me, O Lord, with thy desire. For all who know not thee, then touch these lips with holy fire to speak of Calvary. Glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, May everything that is of self and of man be hidden behind the cross. May Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, be uplifted, for he alone is worthy. And in his name and for thy glory we ask it. Amen. I want to speak tonight for a little while to those perhaps in this meeting and others that are listening in online and consciously or unconsciously, you have drifted away from the things of God maybe even drifted and wandered away from God himself. And tonight, if you're absolutely honest, you have lost out with God spiritually. And you might even acknowledge that while maybe not outwardly, but certainly inwardly, you have become backslidden in heart. We are very familiar, I'm sure, with the parable of the prodigal son that we read about in Luke chapter 15, a certain man with two sons, one day the younger son came and said to his father, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. I want you to give me my inheritance now. I don't want to live at home any longer. And that young man took his inheritance and went into a far country and wasted his substance with riotous living. The parable of the prodigal son. The word prodigal, incidentally, means recklessly wasteful. And we're familiar with the story of the prodigal son, or we might call it the parable of the prodigal sons, because there were two prodigals. One went into a far country and outwardly was a prodigal. The elder son stayed at home, but he was out of fellowship with his father and he was a prodigal inwardly. And here in Luke's or Genesis chapter 13, we have what I believe is the story, the true story of the prodigal father. And we're thinking tonight for a little while about Lot, a father who went into the far country. And in the process of doing so, he helped to destroy and defile, and we could even say damn, his own family. Now, the name Lot is an interesting name. It literally means veil or covering. And if you were to look at the life of Lot in Genesis 13 through to Genesis 18 and Genesis 19, 
There would be very little, if anything, to suggest that Lot was a believer at all. The true condition and the true standing of Lot's soul before God was veiled by the life that he was living for maybe a period of several years. And we could look at Lot and you would think, well, there's no way that Lot was a believer. There's no way that Lot was a man who was righteous, declared righteous in the sight of God. But we read over in the New Testament, in 2 Peter chapter 2, that Lot was a righteous man. And he vexed his righteous soul with the filthy conversation or lifestyle or behavior of the wicked that were all around him. And if it wasn't for that text of Scripture, you might conclude that Lot was not a believer at all because his true spiritual standing was veiled or covered by the life that Lot was living. Lot was a backslider. And maybe tonight you're in this meeting or you're maybe listening in online and in many respects you're like Lot. People would look at you and they mightn't know whether you're a true Christian or not. And maybe because of decisions you have made and the direction that you've gone in life, you don't even really know yourself whether you're a true Christian or not. And you have no assurance of salvation. No joy of the Lord in your heart. You're not really enjoying walking with God because of the life that you're living. And you're maybe not sure whether you're saved or whether you're backslidden or whether you're lacking assurance. And there's a veil over your soul tonight. And only God maybe knows how it really stands with you. I want you to think tonight for a little while about this man Lot, the prodigal father. And we're just going to trace a few instances in his life that at last brought Lot back to a place of safety. First of all, notice at the beginning a dispute that Lot had. What was it that led Lot to become a backslider? There was a dispute that Lot had. In the first seven verses of Genesis chapter 13, we read about Abram, who was Lot's uncle. Abram was called by the Lord out from the Ur of the Chaldees. Now the word the, the name the Ur of the Chaldees could be translated the fire of the burnings. And there was a man, Abram, who was plucked as a brand from the burning and brought out from his father's house, his father's nation, his father's kindred, kindred, and brought to really know the Lord. Abraham was a man called out. He became the father of the faithful. Abram became the friend of God. And Abram is a picture of a true, separated, surrendered, all for Jesus type of Christian. He was a man who turned his back in his old life. He was a man who separated himself from his old life and began to walk in newness of life. And everybody knew that God had did a deep, lasting work in the heart and soul of Abram. It says in chapter 13 and verse number 1, Abram went up out of Egypt, up and out of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. And here's a man who is separating himself unto God. Now, if you're a Christian tonight, 
the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we can prove in our lives what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And this is something that Abraham is doing in his life and coming up out of Egypt. It says in verse number three that he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel. Bethel literally means the house of God. And here's a man who's separating himself from the world. Here's a man who's coming back to the house of God. And then it says in verse number four that he went on to the place of the altar. The altar is the place of sacrifice. The altar is the place of worship. The ulcer is the place of consecration and dedication. And so you're getting a picture of the type of man that Abram is separated, surrendered, walking with God, coming to the house of the Lord, coming to the altar, the place of worship and the place of prayer. I wonder tonight, does that symbolize your life? Separated unto the Lord, really walking with God, delighting yourself and going to the house of the Lord, praying and worshiping God. This was the uncle that Lot had. But Lot was different. It says in verse number five, Lot also went with Abraham and he had flocks and herds and tents. But the only reason that Lot was going with Abraham was simply out of convenience. It was not out of conviction. It was not out of consecration. But it was simply out of convenience. He just sort of got caught along with Abram and all of the herdsmen and all of the family. And he just went along with the thing. But it seems as you go on that Lot's heart was still very much in Egypt, very much in the world. And you've maybe been born into a Christian home, born into a Christian family, born into a Bible-believing church. And you've just gone along with the whole thing. But you've never really had a deep experience of grace in your life. You've never really understood what it means to walk with God and to worship God and to love God and to walk in fellowship with Him. We don't read about any altars in Lot's life. We don't read about Lot going to Bethel and worshiping and giving his life to God. And it wasn't long before there was a dispute or a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And there's this big dispute that arose over money and over material things and over possessions, over things that really a hundred years from that moment wouldn't count for anything at all. And how sad it is whenever people lose out with God because of a dispute that they have maybe in the family or maybe in the workplace or maybe even in the church. And because of this dispute that Lot had, it resulted in an awful testimony before the world. It says there in verses 6 and 7 that the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land. And here's these people all professing to be God's people. Some of them were, some of them weren't. Some were spiritual, some were carnal, but they're fighting among themselves and the ungodly looking on, wondering what on earth is that all about? Christians need to watch their testimony. And sometimes we need to bite our tongues, eat humble pie, and swallow our pride. 
because there's a watching world looking on. And I just wonder how many are put off Christ because of what they see in people that profess his name. Zacchaeus had to climb a tree to see the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as he wanted to see the Lord, he couldn't see the Lord because of the people that thronged around him. Couldn't see him for the people that pressed around him. The people that were following him were actually obscuring him from people that needed him the most. And Christians in these days need to watch their testimony. Maybe you're not a believer tonight. And you see a lot of sham and you see a lot of hypocrisy in the evangelical church. I want to apologize to you if that's the case. The church of Jesus Christ needs revival. The church of Jesus Christ needs to be awakened. The church of Jesus Christ needs to take the gospel and the souls of men seriously. And you've maybe been put off Christ because of what you see in people who profess to belong to him. That's a sad reality. I would love tonight for you to see my Savior in all of his fullness and all of his majesty and all of his love and all of his mercy and in all of his glory. Lot had a dispute. The dispute Lot had. And then verses 8 through 11, there's a decision that Lot made. Abram was a spiritual man. He didn't want strife and fighting. And he says, well, Lot, you know, all we can do now is you go one way and I'll go the other. Our herdsmen are fighting among themselves and you've got pulled into this whole thing. Let's just go our separate ways for now. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Abram doesn't really care all that much for physical possessions. He doesn't care all that much about houses and cattle and dwelling and lush green pastures. The Bible says Abraham was looking for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. There was a man living with eternity's values in view, not getting the ten pegs down too deep. Realizing that all of these temporal and material and visible and physical things around him, someday they'll all be stripped from him. And he's living in light of eternity. And he says to Lot, Lot, you just choose whatever, whatever land you want. And we read there in verse number 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the very garden of God. He lifted up his eyes, there's the lust of the eye. It was well watered everywhere, the lust of the flesh. And he thought maybe that would be a good place for me to start a business, to make money, to raise a family, the pride of life. We don't read one time that Lot got on his knees before God and said, now Lord, what will you have me to do? Lord, would you guide me? Would you give me a word in season? Lord, I only want to do what's right to you. Lot wasn't praying at all. No altar you see in Lot's life. And Lot's on the brink now of making a decision based on prosperity, based on a business opportunity, based on what he thought would be family security. The grass is greener down there towards Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain and just based solely on what appealed to him and what was lucrative for him, he made a decision that would destroy his home, ruin his testimony and help destroy his family. He made the wrong decision. And I submit to you tonight, if you have lost out with God, you can point to other believers and other churches and other Christians and disputes and people that are inconsistent. 
But you have lost out with God tonight because of a choice, a decision, or maybe a series of choices and decisions that you have made. You made them. You decided to stop praying. You decided to stop reading the Word of God. You took your life off the altar. You stepped away from Bethel, from the house of God. You no longer lived a life that was consecrated. You entered into maybe a relationship or saw a business opportunity or an opportunity to prosper yourself, yielded to some temptation, decided to stop praying, stop going to church, maybe started a, a relationship with an unconverted person and you made a decision without seeking the face of God. And you're paying tonight a heavy price for it, aren't you? You see, Lot came up out of Egypt in verse number one with Abram. But Egypt was never really taken out of Lot's heart. A dispute Lot had, a decision Lot made. Notice verse number 12, the direction Lot went. It says, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom pitched his tent towards Sodom, willingly put himself in the place of temptation. Now he knew that Sodom wasn't a great place to raise a family. And probably in verse 12 there, he had no intention of ever going any closer to Sodom, but he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And so every morning, whenever he opened the doors of his tent, that's what he saw. Little children's chorus says, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And oftentimes the things that we allow into our lives through the eye gate are the things that destroy us. I've lost count of the amount of times I've sat down with young people and older people as well. Sometimes in a prison cell. And they've said, I have got to this place in my life because of things that I was looking at on the internet. And now I've lost everything. Screens all around us. Images before us constantly. We can stand to lose so much just because of where we have pitched our tent towards and what we look at. Abraham was thinking about Bethel. Abram was thinking about an altar. Lot now is every single day of his life looking towards this cesspit that was called Sodom. And by the time you get to chapter 14 and verse 12, exactly one chapter later, it says, Now Lot dwelt in Sodom. Pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then Lot finds himself dwelling in Sodom. He never intended for things to go so far. And maybe you're the same. You never intended to be far away from God in your heart and in your mind and in your affections. But you made a decision. And you might have legitimized that decision and how you felt you were treated by professing Christian people. And you pitched your tent a different direction entirely. And the sad reality is that not only did Lot go there, but he took his wee family with him. His wife and his sons and his daughters. Thought this is great. There's so much opportunity, so much business opportunity, so much social activity, so much lust pastures. And he took his little family with him and he's now in the brink of destroying his family. I remember years ago hearing a preacher telling a story about a, a little town in the, the Midwest in America. Never they were settling and breaking into new frontiers and there was this Midwestern town and a young man had been 
caught drunk in a, in a fight and he had killed somebody with his bare hands in a fight and he was standing in the gallows. And before they put the bag over his head and the noose around his neck, they says, have you any last words? And he surveyed the crowd. There must have been hundreds of people. And right at the back of the crowd, there was an aged man who was the young man's father. And he simply says, Dad, do you remember the spoon in the jar? Nobody knew what he was talking about apart from the father. You see, whenever that little boy was at home, his father was sitting in his armchair. He had a, a glass jar and a little silver spoon, and he would rattle it. And whenever that noise came, the little boy would go and get a bottle of whiskey and fill the glass up with whiskey, and the father would take a spoon, the spoon and spoon-feed whiskey to his little boy. Thought that he was being the sort of cool dad, if you like. And it wasn't long before that young lad was hooked in alcohol and it destroyed his life. All because of the testimony and the stupid decisions of a father. See, nobody really backslides alone. Lot took his family with him. Whenever Peter said after the cross, he says, boys, I'm going fishing. The rest of the disciples says, well, we'll go with you. He didn't say, will you come fishing with me? He just says, boys, I'm going fishing. And off he went. And they says, we'll, we'll come with you. But the lovely thing about Abram is, Abraham is growing in grace. Chapter 18 and verse number 17, it says, God says, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I shall do? Lot is no longer hearing God's voice. But Abraham is still in the place where he can hear the voice of God. In fact, his name has changed from Abram to Abraham. And some of the scholars tonight might understand a little bit about the significance of the change from Abram to Abraham. Just one Hebrew letter put right into the middle of Abram's name. Letter Heth. It's a guttural, guttural letter. It's a, a, a letter that you breathe out whenever you express it. Heth. And God put this letter into Abram's name. The breath of God breathing into Abraham. He's a spirit-filled man here. And he's in tune with God. And God says, I'm going to tell Abraham what's going to happen in Sodom. But Lot no longer can hear the voice of God. Is that you tonight? No, folks, not all backsliders go back to the pub. Many backsliders are sitting in churches like this Sunday by Sunday. The only difference is they no longer really hear God's voice. They listen to God's word, perhaps, but they don't hear with their inner man. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Are you conscious of the speaking voice of God in your life? Or are you like the church at Laodicea, the Lord knocking at the door, and you can't even hear it because your life has become so cluttered? And Abraham begins to pray and intercede because he knows that judgment day is coming. And he prays and he prays and he prays. And you can read the prayer of Abraham there and in Genesis chapter 18 at the end of the chapter. He says, Lord, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? He believes that Lot's a righteous man. He knows in his heart, Lot's trusted you, Lord. He's not living the life. He's far away from you, but Lot, would you destroy the, the righteous with the wicked, Lord? What about if there's 50 in the city? 45, 40, 30, 20, and then he says, Lord, if there's 10 righteous in the city, would you destroy Sodom for the sake of 10 righteous people? And the Lord says, I'll spare it for 10. Why did Abraham stop at 10? 
Well, if you do them as, there was Lot and Lot's wife, that's two. And then Lot had sons, it says. So there's at least two sons. Let's say there was two, that makes four. And then sons-in-law. So Lot had at least two daughters that were married. Let's give them, give them two. And then there was two daughters that came out with him. So if you have Lot and his wife and the sons and the daughters and the sons-in-law and then the daughters that were still single, you've got ten people. And if Lot had won his family to God, God would have spared the cities of the plain. Now, the amazing thing is that whenever the angels come to rescue Lot in chapter 19, the Bible says that Lot is a man now sitting in the gate at Sodom, sitting in the gate. He's got into the city council. That was the place where all the councillors and all the, the, the leaders of the, the city sat to discuss the business and the culture and the commerce of the city. And whenever the people of Sodom come to his home and they see the angels go into his home and they say, Lot, send those men out that we may lie with them. Lot says, brethren, do not so wickedly. And so he's pitched his tent towards Sodom. He's then living in Sodom. Then he's sitting in the gate at Sodom. And now he's calling the people of Sodom his brethren. Isn't it remarkable how far a person can get away from God? And Lot's even willing to send his daughters out to lie with these wicked and evil men. He's become so, so like the world. But yet 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 8 says that the righteous Lot vexed his righteous soul with the filthy conversation of the wicked. His soul was vexed. That just means that Lot was absolutely miserable. That's how we know that Lot was a true backslider. He was miserable. He was unhappy. He was grieved. Are you tonight like that? Can I ask you tonight, are you happy? Are you content? Are you at peace tonight? Have you got joy in your heart? You can put a smile on your face and put on a nice outfit and come out to the meeting and sit there. But what about in here? Are you happy inside? Or is your soul grieved and vexed? Because you've lost out with God. And whenever Lot tries to warn his sons-in-law, which married his daughters in chapter 19, verse number 14, the Bible says he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. No testimony. He knows the truth. And now he realizes my family and my sons-in-law, they're lost living in this city. And I know the judgment is coming. I want them to be saved, but they just think he's a mocker. They don't even know that Lot's a Christian. We might say, or Lot's a believer, because his life, his testimony has been veiled. What a waste of a life. You know, you can waste your life almost even as a believer. I wonder if you went to somebody in your workplace or your family and told them about God's salvation. Would they look at you and think, well, sure, you're not living the Christian life. You're living the same way I'm living. And you would seem as one that mocked. A dispute that Lot had, a decision that Lot made, the direction Lot went. Notice also the deliverance that Lot experienced. Chapter 19, verse number 15, the angel says, Lot, arise, take thy wife, thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Flee now, Lot. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. 
Arise up now and get out of this place. And as God saying to somebody tonight in this meeting, somebody that's listening in online, arise now. Get to the cross. Leave your sin. Judgment is coming. You know, the eyes of the world tonight are upon Ukraine and Israel and Gaza and Russia and China and right across the world we hear of wars and rumors of wars. And even the unconverted are asking the question, is it coming towards the end time? And some of you tonight know that it is. And maybe God's saying to you tonight, you need to get to the cross. You need to get back to Bethel. You need to get back to the altar. You need to arise and get right with God. Lot lingers. Verse 16 of chapter 19, Lot lingers. How long halt ye between two opinions? Maybe you're lingering tonight and you've been lingering for a long time and you know that you need to get back to God, right with God, but you're lingering. And at last the angel come and they pluck Lot as a brand from the burning, pull them out of the place, and he was barely saved, saved by the skin of his teeth. It says in verse 16, the Lord being merciful. And I'm glad tonight that I serve a God who's merciful, a Savior who delights in mercy. Backslider tonight, you've lost out with God. I want to tell you that God loves you. The Lord's merciful. He went to the cross to die for your sins and to shed his precious blood. He loves you tonight. Would you not come to him? Would you not come back to him? Would you not say, Lord, I've wandered, I've drifted, but Lord, I want to come back to you. I don't like living the way I'm living and living how I'm living and where I'm living. Lord, I need to get right with you. I need decisions and choices and now I'm paying an awful price. The Lord's merciful, gracious and faithful. The deliverance that Lord experienced. There's deliverance and salvation with the Lord. One last thought. Time is gone. Notice the destruction. Lord escaped. Chapter 19 verse 23 says, The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. And then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And you can go to that area tonight, down there close to the Dead Sea, and the minerals and the sulfur content around that area is extraordinarily high. And archaeologists that know the biblical record can testify to the accuracy of Scripture. Those cities were once there and now they're covered and the sulfur came down from heaven. It was total destruction. God does not make idle threats. But it was said to Lot, Lot, don't look behind you. Don't look back. Keep looking forward. Look on to Jesus tonight, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despised the shame and is now set down at the right hand of God. You can be delivered. You can be forgiven. You can be saved. You can be set free. Why was Lot delivered? Because he had an old uncle who stood before God and prayed for the soul of his young nephew. It says in verse 29 of that 19th chapter that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. God remembered Abraham and delivered Lot. Christian, tonight let's pray for our families. Let's pray for our neighbors. Let's pray for our nation. That God will intervene and God will save. 
But maybe you're here this evening and you know that there's loved ones praying for you. It might be a husband, a wife. It might be a son, a daughter. It might be a father or a mother or a grandfather. And you're still in your sin or still backslidden, whatever it is. And you know in your heart that there are people praying for you. But even more than that, there's a Savior in glory. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, he is able to save to the uttermost. All have come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's praying for you tonight. I heard a lovely incident about a lady in America in the city of New York. She was a widow. She had one daughter. She had very little money. They lived in a tenement building. She earned a living just working in schools and places as a janitor and a cleaner scrubbing floors. But she brought up her little daughter as best she could in difficult circumstances, brought her to church, brought her to Sunday school, sent her out to meetings, prayed with her and prayed for her. And whenever the girl got into her late teens, she fell into bad company. The mother's heart was broken. Whenever that girl came and says, Mom, I'm leaving. Don't want to live under your roof anymore. All your religion and your God and your prayers and your Bible and your church. I don't want anything to do with it. And so off she went over a a mother's tears and she went out into the world. Got involved in all sorts of things that she never thought she'd get involved in. Her life spiraled out of control. The mother for years prayed for her, didn't know where she was. And as a last ditch effort to try to reach out to her daughter, she went into a a chemist shop and she got a whole lot of little passport sized photographs taken of herself this mother's aged face and she went around New York City around the Bronx and Harlem and Angel Island and Manhattan and all of the different strip clubs and nightclubs and places where you could get cheap drink and cheap booze and into restrooms and she put this little picture of herself taxi cabs phone booths just this little picture of herself all around New York City, hoping that someday her little daughter would see it, which one day she did, coming out of a cubicle, looking at her own face in the mirror. There was flyers all around the mirror and numbers for cheap booze and a cheap night out and a cheap thrill, and she looked at it all, and she looked at her own face in the mirror and could hardly believe what she had become. And then out of the corner of her eye, she saw a face amongst it all that she recognized, the face of her mother, And she reached up and she took down the little passport photograph and she looked at her broken-hearted mother. And the tears began to roll down her cheeks and she turned it over and she read these words in the back. says, my daughter, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've done. I don't know how you're living. But I love you. Come home. And that's exactly what happened. A mother's love melted her heart and she came home. Is that God's word to you tonight? I love you. I know where you are. I know how you're living. I know what you've done. I love you. Come home. Friend, come home tonight. Come to Christ. Come to the cross. Thank you so much for listening. Your attention has been wonderful. God bless you.